This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. You are listening to the Running Channel podcast with me, Sarah Hartley, my excellent co-host, Andy Badley, and Rick, who's in the corner frantically pressing buttons back to the normal neck of jumper. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I didn't know how to describe that. Though. And I had a wardrobe clear out this weekend. Did you? Yeah, I got rid of 15 years worth of skinny V-neck? jeans. No, oh. 15 years worth of skinny jeans, which means my silhouette has now doubled. <laughs> <laughs> so when are you buying the nice new clothes, mate? I'm wearing them now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Awkward. Okay, let's get started. So we're back. We're back for another week. Andy, how's your runs been this week? Not too bad. I'm exhausted from a weekend of football coaching. We won our first match for my little boys. He's six. So that was very exciting. Obviously, it's all about taking part, but in the hammering rain, scoring a few extra goals and winning definitely helps. Nice. What do they get for winning? Any like halftime oranges just, or anything? Just the pleasure. Actually, I, ten, generally we bribe them with Haribo. Not us. So we're <laughs> no. all about the healthy lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I actually had a really nice weekend of running. I did oh, yeah? I did a bit of park run tourism. Oh yeah. Where but, whereabouts? Where'd you go? I went to Victoria Dock. Oh, the fastest is that UK's I think UK's fastest park run. Yeah, super fast. So apparently it used to be a horse. The routes changed a lot because oh. apparently it used to be a horseshoe kind of looking course but then that ran along a kind of half of it was commercial and then half of it was residential property and right. apparently the people complained people were getting cross with so many people with so making many a pilgrimage. runners yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how dare you past. how dare you have fun and stay healthy and happy <laughs> in the fresh air i know they should have just popped out and joined but yeah oh, so how, na- how noisy is running it's not no- noisy at all <laughs> have you ever run with, have you ever run with sarah before <laughs> oh yeah that's right it's like running with a horse yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but i did uh, i did do a chatty park run so i went with uh my friend matt and we just chatted the the whole way around but yeah so now it's a i think they call it a double out and back so you oh, go from the yeah. start line out to xl and back and out and back but it's actually really fun course and my favorite part was i'd never been on the cable car and I did oh, that. across the Thames. Yeah, and because there were train strikes, I did that to get home. That's, oh. I was going to say, that's definitely cheating mid-park run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be, it's, you can definitely run faster than a cable okay, car as well. And it was chucking it down, so I'm impressed that you, that you got out. Yeah, it was like a little bit drizzly, but hey. I oh, know, we were, we were in skin. torrential rain at the football, but that oh. did mean yeah. uh, early start on Saturday, so we couldn't do park run. Numbers are always quite low at park run when it's absolutely nailing it down with rain. I, yeah. think they, I think ours goes down to about 88. So did you go in the rain, Rick? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, there we go. Ours goes down to about 88. I wouldn't know because I've never been. <laughs> I am a fair look on, the, look on the results afterwards. I love it. There's nothing more satisfying than going out for like coffee and cake after a park run when it's been absolutely belting it down because you just feel so like, haha. You feel, yeah, you feel virtuous. Yeah. 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 But there's definitely a, 
a literally tipping point in, in the rain for me, like a little bit damp and, and feeling like okay. you can warm up is all right. Mm. Absolutely soaked through is, is just Especially unpleasant. when you go from, like if it starts, I've been on long runs where it started absolutely chucking it down mm. in the middle and that's quite fun personally but if i go to leave my house and i'm perfectly bone dry and then it, i can see it's absolutely chucking it down i'm not starting my run yeah i i find it really hard to start in the rain but i don't mind it raining on me whilst i'm out so yeah, yeah getting out the door is, is the hardest thing hey skin is waterproof and like the saying goes there's no such thing as bad weather just bad clothing options yes excellent speaking of which uh rick's new fashion choices is about his wardrobe <laughs> i love my new fashion it's all about chinos in skinny jeans out yeah, yeah, it's it's a great look. We'll uh, we'll keep the listeners posted this, as to uh, some new wool I've got here as well. <laughs> Just ready, ready for spring summer, twenty twenty three. So before we get too sidetracked, every episode we take on one big topic in running. Then we take a look at the news, things that have happened this week that we think are interested, and then at the end, probably the most important part, we answer your questions. We've had some amazing ones come in, so do email us in at podcast at the running channel.com and we'll do our best to get to them. Yes, and let's kick off with this week's topic, which is how to set running goals. Big, yeah. broad topic, but yeah. I thought this would be really interesting to start off with you, Andy. I'm interested to know, how did you set running goals when you were a professional athlete? Cast your mind back 100 years. Yeah, exactly. I just need to wind back the cine film in my head. Interestingly, my goal posts moved every year. As a teenager, I was the one, um, so Rick and I have known each other since teenagers, so I was the one pretty boring training for English schools, track and field and, and things like that. So perhaps didn't go out as much as I could have done um, and had this this vision of becoming an athlete, but never really thought about how far I could go. Then at university, met loads of people that were loads better than me and was like, okay, my goal those years was like, well, I'm just going to show up to training more regularly to see if I can get as good as these people. And then by the end of university, there was this carrot dangling of being a semi-professional athlete this idea of moving down to London and training properly which I never thought would be possible and then that really quickly became like oh could I get to the Olympics and so the idea was first off it was just about running PB times then it was getting a vest for the north of England for example and then it was getting an England vest and then it was getting a Great Britain vest and then you just kept moving the goalposts and then all of a sudden it was wouldn't it be my lifetime ambition to, to run at the Olympics but then by the time I'd qualified for the Olympics, I was like, well, I want a medal at the Olympics. Mm. And you were sort of never satisfied. So actually that that level of professional athlete goal setting is, I've spoken to a few athletes about this recently, you sort of dwell on the, the bad stuff. And because you're always moving the goalposts, you very rarely sit back and celebrate the the really exciting things, the goals that you did hit. I think that's also transferable into, even if you're not a professional athlete, you're, as soon as you get a PB, you can celebrate it, but then you're instantly like, oh what's next and what I find interesting as well is when you described all of those goalposts time didn't necessarily pop up that much so did you find that it was kind of paralleled with your goals to get an England vest and you knew what time you needed for that and so actually what what you were turning up to a session to achieve was that time but the actual goal that you were working towards is the kind of reward for that time in the same way that you know I'll aim for a PB and a marathon and that equates to a medal was is it that yeah, similar? The motivation wasn't the times. The times were the what you had to do to qualify. So yeah, to yeah. run in a major championship, you need to hit a qualifying time, but you also need to beat everyone else. So you need to show up to the trials and come in the first two usually. And that guarantees your place as long as you've achieved the qualifying time. So yes, I was turning up to training with these very specific goals in mind. And by the middle of my career, when I was running probably my best, I could turn up to the track and, and Andy, my coach, would say, run 
this time for a lap, 60 seconds, 66 seconds, 80 seconds, whatever it might be. And broadly without a watch, if I was in good shape, I could do that within half a second or a second. Um, and then that's the level of kind of visualization and practice that then allowed me to do it in races. Um, but I was never really focused on the times as the thing that I wanted. Like what I wanted was to win stuff and to go to championships. And did you always think of your goals as just like slowly progressing through or was there ever a point where you went, right, end goal of running is this, here are the steps that I need to do. And then it was more of a kind of ladder process of getting to that big end goal that motivated you. Probably when it, I was, it was easiest for me to break it down into kind of yearly goals. It's like, okay, I did this year, this year. So next year I'm going to try and step it on this much. Yeah. And that means, you know, I'm not just qualifying for a team, I'm making a final. Um, I'm not just making the final, I'm being competitive. And, and to do that, I need to be able to run these times. Um, the few times that I did step far enough ahead to look at, say, okay, the Olympics in four years time, this is what I want to do there. It's actually quite difficult to cling on to that goal because it was so so far away and becomes such an obsession that I struggled with that. So I needed sort of medium term goals really. As well, I've always thought about how hard is it to train for something where your goal is to win? Because there's not a... Like I found it so much easier if I'm targeting a, a like PB pace where I have a really specific goal. I'm going for a sub 50 minute 10K. I know that I need to be hitting five minute kilometer pace yeah. for this. If I tick that off in training, I'm like, cool. But how hard is it knowing that there are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people mm -hmm. training for exactly the yeah. same thing? You don't know your aim is to beat them, but yeah. you don't know what they're going to be running at. Yeah, that's the hardest that was the hardest bit about it. And actually I found the races that I was expected to win really difficult. Um, and they're probably the things I'm most proud of. I could turn up at the Olympic trials where I'm expected to win as, as at various points would have come in at the favorite as the favorite. And, and they started giving you numbers like your bib would be a different color to everyone else's because you were like the, the one who either defending champ or the person with the, the fastest time. So they're expecting you to win, but certainly in the 1500 meters, the tactics are what make it nerve wracking. So mm -hmm. broadly, if it gets run a certain way, then anyone could win. So it's my job if I feel like I'm the strongest athlete to try and make it be run in a way that um, gives me the best possible chance. And it's, that's hard. And I didn't always get that right. Particularly the idea of, you know, ultimately what it came down for me is roughly three, three and a half minutes every year determined how much money I could make the next year that's uh, mad. on, on one it? day. Yeah. And on one particular day as well, because it'll be in the championships usually. So I didn't, I've only really thought about it at that degree of pressure in hindsight. But Probably the, for the best, mate. Yeah, I think I don't think I think I'd have, <laughs> I'd have caved under that. Um, but I, I didn't. I enjoyed it. But that's the bit that I don't miss. Actually, is the the pressure of competing. I miss training and being really efficient and having the amazing training partners and stuff. Um, and being, you know, we were pretty slick. We had a good system. It was a little bit like the pursuit race in cycling, where there's four guys on the track, slotting into their places, and they each take their turn on the front. That's how we trained, and I miss that. Nice. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to finish talking there. <laughs> Sorry. Cool. But, but it is Noted. Uh, related to this, I suppose. This is a very extreme version, but um, we used to do, or I used to do a lot of work with Strava and they, they would release data uh, at the end of the year about what motivated people. And one of the biggest motivators within Strava, for example, was setting a goal. Mm. Um, so just committing to a goal, which was usually a target or a race. It might be, I'm going to run. 500 kilometers by this time in the year or whatever it might be those people were much more likely to exercise regularly throughout the year um, yeah well I think that's what I found so interesting just anecdotally talking to runners 
pre and post COVID and lockdowns is that obviously for a few years, races completely stopped. And then you would think that by now we'd be back where kind of people are back into the routine of setting those goals. But actually what I kind of think has started happening is that all of those races that were postponed that people had maybe signed up to as their goal during lockdown, all of them were put so close together. And we had, like, I know last year when we had people kind of emailing into us or we chatted to some of our subscribers they were talking about doing back-to-back marathons we actually yeah. made a video on how to do back-to-back yeah. marathons because we had so many questions about it and so I feel like now there there is this like okay we've gone from doing nothing to everything and people are only now a few years after lockdown getting back into the rhythm of like okay I'm gonna have one goal I'm gonna target this yeah. I'm gonna work towards that for a few months and then it's okay that there's just kind of one event and then I'll work on the next thing but I think it is quite hard to pick what you want to do when there's so many different things that you can do yeah but I do think it's important to pick one goal that you're working towards over a reasonable amount of time and I'm not talking like three or four weeks you know it might be three or four months uh, it might be longer but then it's really important to have milestones that you're trying to hit along the way and you might not think of them as massive goals but just getting your longest run done in the marathon Mm. um, and doing that on a certain day and you're building up to that for example. I didn't realise as well how many races are put on for people to do their longest run either like I've seen there was a 20 mile race in London this weekend for people targeting London or other spring marathons and I think that one you're getting a practice in for a marathon which is so great to have a bit of race day practice and nerves and kind of feel that pressure and get you know get through go through your routine in the way that you practice for doing the race day yeah and also it does give you that little lift like 12 14 16 weeks preparing for a marathon is a long time and so to be able to break that up with something feels really nice but i would also say that if you're we often talk about marathons and like putting stuff in for marathons but even if even if you're working towards 5k's and 10k's and that's what you want to aim towards you can still get those little points throughout training that's going to help you whether that's doing a 5k race and seeing as a kind of time trial and seeing doing a benchmark test if you're working towards 5k or if you're working towards 10k and the pace feels really out of touch could you run kind of an easy 10k and then do a bit of progression towards the end to pick it up a little bit exactly that or turning up and doing a park run as part of your training but but really like you know park run's not a race but for a lot of people it's a race against yourself just to see what time you can run Mm. so turning up to one um and just going hard or or planning like you said to progress through every k faster or get to halfway and then push on just giving yourself something to aim at like even three four months is, is a long time to train without testing yourself mm. um, and whilst you don't need to test yourself per se i think psychologically it really helps yeah. just as long as you accept the fact that the test is sort of there just to keep you motivated up to the point of the test. So don't be devastated if the test doesn't you know doesn't, doesn't go quite as well as you'd like. No, it's t- and it's better to have the bad experiences make the good experiences so much better because you know what it feels like to have it go the other way. Yeah. The other thing I'd say as well is that anyone that's targeting kind of a spring marathon or working towards a marathon, if you then want to target another marathon, give yourself enough time to kind of process the last one as well. That's definitely what I'm doing. Yeah. I've run one, I've got a PB, now I'm going stripping it right back and working yeah. with my coach on a 5k pb a 10k pb a half marathon and then building up towards another marathon pb effort like in december this year so a good yeah. like eight months i can't do maths quick enough yeah i think that sounds about right i think yeah. I, but i think what i touched on as well is is what i would change about my career is i would celebrate the wins more and the yeah. wins i don't necessarily mean coming first and stuff i mean when i hit goals that i'd planned for myself because uh, you just move on to the yeah. next thing already like you've mm. done a soccer now you've moved on but actually 
did an amazing thing, ran a personal best, which, you know, think about what a personal best is as well. It's the fastest you've ever, ever done run. it in yeah, your life. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a Take total it in first. Yeah. Take it in. Yeah. Stand and stare at those fields. Soak in the good stuff. I want to talk about as well, Rick, you've obviously come back from injury. How have you found goal setting coming back from kind of essentially building up from, from nothing again? Yeah. So it's all been quite incremental like, the whole way through, but it was always going to be 10 months after I had the osteotomy, which is the surgery, uh, before I was going to be running. So I always had this big goal, a bit like Andy had those goals, you know, where he set them in stages through his career. I always had that big goal that I wanted to run again. And I always knew that was going to be a minimum of t 10 months post-surgery, between 10 months and a year. So obviously when I got to that, then it was incremental times. So, and it was literally minutes actually. So I go, right, this week I want to do nine minutes. Next week I want to do 10. Yeah. And eventually I want to get it somewhere close to around the 25 minute mark because then I know I can do a park run. And yeah. then you do a park run, you run, walk it, and then you do your first park run where you're running it. And then when you're back running a park run, then you're more away from the recovery period and yeah. into actually the, the conditioning uh, period yeah. where you're just back to being a runner, really. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's a similar process, but it's very small and very incremental. But I think that's actually probably the best possible example of goal setting in, in different stages. Like for most people, when they're trying to run a best time or, or even just complete a distance for the first time ever, that half marathon or a marathon, it can seem like a long way away and impossibly daunting. But if you're just putting one day at a time together, it's the classic like football manager cliche at the end of a at the end of a match, yeah. the worst press conferences. But if you are just doing it one day at a time or one week at a time, and you've got a small but achievable goal that that week, then that's incredibly motivating because you're ticking it off. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you've done four weeks or eight weeks, and then that ten months just gets eaten away, and you haven't really realised. But you've gone from, in your case, not being able to walk to being yeah. able to run for twenty five minutes. And that's a nice example of as well of goals don't a goal doesn't necessarily equate to a personal best or like yeah. a time it's some it is literally Sometimes something smaller but actually yeah. bigger yeah that. or it means so yeah, like yeah. my current goal is i am so bad at getting in strength workouts that i've actually dropped my runs down to three a week what have i told you about strength workouts <laughs> i know but i'm so bad that i've dropped my runs down for a couple of weeks i asked my coach to, to yeah. drop it to three runs a week and i was like and i'm going to use that fourth day that i've already mentally given to running yeah. i'm giving that to strength training in the hope that something will click and it will become a non-negotiable and you'll and you'll start enjoying it i did it this morning no nice. oh, there's really? one you, so you did strength training this morning yeah so glowing <laughs> yeah but i did it but also i what i find really hard is that my running goals i'm obviously like a relatively established runner now and then i instantly as soon as i go i'm going to start strength training i apply that to the gym i go and lift the heaviest things i can do and then into my next run i always you're, end you're up in agony. like yeah I'm, whereas this morning i literally searched beginner body weight like mm. the simplest workout and I did it for 20 minutes. I don't feel in pain, but I'm just going to keep incremental as opposed to yeah. going like, right, I'm going to smash the gym and that's going to help but my running. I think you need to think of them as the same thing. So your strength training is also your running training. So you yeah. sound to me like you're talking about them as two different yeah, things. Yeah, so you're like yeah. sacrificing so you're, them. I'm feeling you're guilty. sacrificing <laughs> a run day for a strength day. But actually, if you think about them as roughly the same thing, I mean, I'm, kind of out of that stage now where I need to be conditioning that often. 
But actually, I'm so stuck <laughs> in my... Yeah, yeah, yeah look, at, look at this guy. Look at this guy. I'm, I'm in such good physical condition. As in strength. As in strength. Oh, God, I can't say anything. <laughs> but I'm in my head, I just naturally now see myself as 50-50 when it comes to running, when it comes to strength and, and run run days. So I'll, I'll do one strength day, one run day. They might not follow each other, but that's just how I see it. I see it all as part of the same thing. That's what I need to start doing. Yeah. Whereas I'm just like, well, I did a fast run session. That's kind of a bit of strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a nice way to wrap it up, I reckon. So coming up, we've got the news and then the amazing bit, which is your questions. So do email in to podcast at channel.com. But you're listening to The Running Channel Podcast. Don't forget, this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now at The Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes. So it's almost time to answer your questions. But first, every episode, we each pick a news story from the world of running to chat about. And Andy, is yours to do with elite athletes this week? Absolutely not. Really? Uh, okay, I've taken this challenge to heart. It might mean that we don't do it at all, but I'm going to bring them back at some point. Um, <laughs> no, mine today, actually, we get sent press releases at the running channel. Uh, and one was from Garmin about World Sleep Day in 2023. And it was that the fact that the UK nation has trouble sleeping. So we and in the UK, scraped into the top 20 of the best sleepers. Whilst, for example, the Nordics reign the top of the list where they're the best at sleeping soundly at night. And also, if you know anything about the Nordics, um, the a lot of countries, like Sweden, Denmark in particular, are renowned for being some of the happiest countries. And so... Oh, it's so predictable. Of course they're going to be the best sleepers, aren't they? The Scandinavians. Why? Because it's always dark. Well, just they're, they're very relaxed, happy people. They, but maybe because they sleep loads. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, which is like chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. which yeah. one determines which. Yeah, I would definitely. I'd I'd love to know what are the worst countries on that. Does oh, it list that? Uh, well, we're pretty low. Uh, oh. Actually, Japan were low as well. Yeah, I was going to say I would put us in the same bank as I would have assumed that us yeah. and Japan are similar because of, of the because I'm I mean I'm assuming it's to do with work. Like we're yeah, too... probably work-life balance, technology, all of those things. Because there's definitely, you know, I've read some amazing stuff about sleep. Like you, you can't recover, you can't adapt to training. Mm. So if this is, you know, it might not sound related to the Running Channel podcast, but um, if you don't sleep, that's sleep's arguably more important. You know, if you ha if you're training four or five days a week, and you could, for example, swap your fifth day of training for amazing sleep all week, I would choose that every every oh, day, yeah, every yeah. day yeah. of the week. It'll make much a much bigger difference to how much faster you can run. Also, if you just look at like every single high-performing athlete one of the stereotypes of a high-performing athlete is the fact that they nap. Yeah, me. Yeah, uh, that is the one thing I miss so much. Napping. From, uh, yeah, napping. napping. Actually, I did have a nap this weekend. Did you? Really? Saturday afternoon. Intentionally? How did you just go and put yourself in your, to bed? In your crash. Yeah. How on earth yeah. do they you They just all nap, nap together. Never. It's like yeah. Uh, yeah. at my preschool, we used to have nap time where we'd all just roll out our little mats. Is yes, that, that what you did? That's exactly what we did. It's just like one big, one big soft play in a badly house. Just roll out the mats. No, I... I got given a, a pass um, for, for a quick afternoon nap and it was the greatest thing ever. That's amazing. Was I, that I, after a night of bad sleep or just you need yeah, to Yeah, we'd been, you know, we'd been up and down with, with uh, kids and like at various nights, just nothing major, but 
when you've got so many children, yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. three, all three of them. True. Only as soon as you get one, one or two of them the every night. The other one so, kicks off. Yeah, yeah. I've got an eye mask. I wear an eye mask every night. Do you? Yeah. I used to wear a, an eye mask. I contoured one so, you know, you can still flick your, your eyelashes and uh, it doesn't wake you. <laughs> Excellent. I've got that. It's an incredible mental image. Uh, but yeah, I just, I thought we'd touch on, like, it's a good reminder because at various points, um, as a pro athlete, we would get support on this kind of thing. Like, how could you sleep? And probably we're a little bit ahead of this. And these these aren't new tips, but routines really important. So same time, waking up and going to sleep at the same time. Yeah. Um, intense training, very close to bedtime is, is bad for your sleep quality. As is, um, I heard someone say having like a really hot bath or shower just before you go to bed can also yeah. impact your sleep. Yeah, interestingly, they from what I've read, it's the cooling. So people think that oh, hot bath is relaxing, but actually it's the cooling down. So if you have enough time to cool down after a hot shower or bath, that's the bit that makes you sleepy. Mm. So not the heat of it, it's the it's your reduction in core body temperature. I see. So have a hot tub, but when you get out of the hot tub, you can just kind of like yeah. stay outside for a few seconds. For anyone who's <laughs> for anyone who's not aware, Rick is a uh, is a regular hot oh, tubber, hot having craned a hot tub into his back garden over his house in London. Yeah, for the two days it's turned on a year because yeah. the energy crisis. <laughs> yeah, it's too tight to actually put he it on. He sleeps it like is. a baby. Yeah, it's an excellent, it's an excellent <laughs> ice bath right now. Um, breathing exercises like meditation or visualization, those kind of things. Um, caffeine, obviously, like actually, if you don't know that, caffeine has an eight hour half-life so yeah if you if you have a cup uh, a cup of coffee at 4 p.m then eight hours later and i can't quite do the maths midnight um you'd still have half as much coffee caffeine in your body and then the final point is is just blue light phones not charging uh, yeah. your phone in your room is, is a classic one yeah yeah but what do you use as an alarm although i was recently i was watching watch. the film the oh yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah but then i charge my watch at night ah, every charge night. your watch when you're having a shower yeah. every night I find they charge really quickly if you've got the same watch as me. Yeah, what? because I take it off to charge it, I've now just got into the routine of, like, I only have to charge it, I don't know, once every two weeks. Yeah. But I'm I'm that person where I can't remember the last time I've charged it, so I'll just pop it on for a little bit to top it up. <laughs> nice. Well, have you got a news story for us, Sarah? I have. I have the best news. So I was doing a bit of research on lots of different news stories, and this one popped up, and I feel like we have to talk about it. The title is, Exercise Could Help Combat Premature Ejaculation, Study Suggests. Hang on. You're researching running news or you're researching this particular topic? <laughs> no, I was researching, <laughs> I was researching running news. But I thought this was interesting. So it says, running and pelvic floor exercises could help combat premature ejaculation ejaculation according to the study exercise appears to be a potentially effective way of treating the um, common complaint in men the condition is estimated to affect anywhere between 30 to 83 percent of men and then what i found really interesting is that the study actually showed that the the results from running and doing these like pelvic exercises proved to be as effective as drugs but without any associated side effects wow. amazing so well, like not necessarily with this specific you know example but i think it's just another great example of how powerful running can be to cure yeah. problems that you know other people might think could only be cured by drugs yeah, so obviously I mean, it's going to be dependent on each person but it yeah cool. it's, it's, it goes alongside you know running being prescribed for mental health as well yeah like, i suppose it's um indirectly related but yeah definitely a, a nice alternative to medication also ties in nicely to the fact that just before we started this section rick told us we we're gonna have to be really quick so, <laughs> so <laughs> don't wanna yeah we were given five minutes max so are, yeah. we, are we there rick yeah well, you fired that off well let's, <laughs> let's finish up there yeah <laughs>
<laughs> your questions. More seriously though, um, pelvic floor in general, I think there's like a case to be made here for men and women. So um, obviously for slightly different purposes, um, but that there's, as you get later in life, I think that's, it's an important thing not to neglect because it's not just sexual and I suppose urinary function. Mm. It's, it's part of your core effectively your your body's ability to you know be strong uh, at its center so um definitely something that's worth considering before i tie myself in any more knots i reckon we wrap that up yeah you're listening to the running channel podcast up next it's your questions okay so it's time for your questions if you have got any for next week then do drop us a line at podcast at the running milan email to ask my question is how often do you replace your tech from running watches to Bluetooth earphones, when do you feel the need to change your accessories? It's a good one. This is a good one because I think it's interesting compared to shoes, tech gets released far less frequently. So personally, personally, I replace my tech when, not necessarily when I feel like it's come to the end of its life, like I do with shoes. I replace my tech or I, before we got the very lovely opportunity of getting given samples to try. Mm, yeah. I used to replace my tech when I wanted maybe a little bit of a freshen up or if I saw something that I thought was going to revolution my run eyes. Yeah, I think, sorry, just jumping in, it's features, like if, if there's a feature that's a, a real game changer as opposed to just like a subtle update. Um, mm. So probably my, my phone's a good example. Like right now, subsequent phones haven't been enough for me to bother upgrading because it still yeah. does what I need. Um, but when there's a... a, a seismic change like a particular i don't know heart rate or gps feature where i'm like or, or a screen type then that, that might be persuade me to do it there is a sustainability consideration for not like having too much stuff interesting speaking to some of the engineers at garmin they consider themselves a, an engineering company so they're proud when someone brings in a 10 year old watch that's still functioning mm. um, nice. as, as an example and that appeals to the engineer in me but yes th there are things like in tech products like battery life that that degrade over time so that could be an indicator. And then if you are including shoes, then if, if, if they've degraded to the point where you're changing your mechanics, then that's a pretty important time to change. Shoes is a different kettle of fish, I think, compared to tech, isn't it? Because yeah. shoes, you know, if you've worn your kit down, then it might be a point where actually you're potentially putting yourself at risk of injury if you don't exactly. change your shoes. Yeah, yeah, whereas I don't think you're going to get that with, you know, headphones and watches. watches but yeah. also getting new headphones or watches for me is just as much as getting a new pair of shoes in terms of motivation. I get excited yeah. to go out the door when I've got something new to try. Yeah, so look for stuff that, that will have long-term support for the, the firmware or hardware and won't kind of be, um, I know there's a term for it in tech, isn't it, where they, they build a life cycle into a yeah. product. So try to avoid those kind of products, I guess. Jeffrey, great name, emailed asking, what do you think about when you go on a long run? Is it all running and you're breathing, etc., Or do you let your mind wander to random things when you find a rhythm like I do? Does this help or not? Uh, anyone mean, who's wondering why Rick is laughing, it's because he really struggles to just read out simple sentences. <laughs> yeah, it's a good job my job doesn't rely on it. And no, stuff. Exactly. <laughs> um, Sarah, do you want to go? Yeah, I personally do a mixture of both. So if I'm if I'm chunking yeah. on my long run, breaking it down into chunks, then I'll probably hit certain milestones in the run and think about stuff like my form, making sure that I'm not, you know, making my form go funny when I get tired mm. or pacing if I'm doing it in kind of 
10 kilometer trunks if I was doing a 30k run but actually I do try to let my mind wander I feel like that will make the time pass so it's much nice quicker. it's nice yeah. letting yeah. your mind wander isn't it especially like if you've I love for me long runs I need to stick on a podcast unless I'm so worried about the pacing that I need to kind of completely zone out and clear my mind have you ever listened to yourself <laughs> on a run on a run oh, look no. at that, that, yeah okay, look no, at that she I definitely haven't. has I, <laughs> I have listened back to the running channel podcast um, so yes in a taxi oh right okay <laughs> did you make him loud. put it on did you make no, him put it on not out loud <laughs> but i should have done i should have been like what do you think, do you think this is good are you a runner <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Just, yeah converting people one at a time yeah yeah um i'm similar i would definitely make a distinction between longer training runs where i have to hit a certain pace in, in that case, I'd very rarely use music and I'm really focused on the metrics and how it feels and my heart rate and things like that mm. versus a long run when I totally want to dissociate from running. So that'd either be a podcast if I'm on my own, like you said. So I'm just totally distracted in a little world of my own. Hopefully the time is passing uh, or running looking, with other people. And looking just, at the fields. Yeah, looking at the fields. I love standing, <laughs> just looking at the fields um, or chatting to friends about totally inconsequential stuff. Um, chatting probably, while running yeah. on the phone. No, no, no. Like with, with people in, 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 in person. Do you run with people? I know lots of people who do this. Well, they run actually, on a phone call. Yeah, I think it was, um, oh, someone did, Lily's Fitness on Instagram did a list of like ways to motivate yourself or distract yourself mm. on a run. And one of them was call people. And I actually used to do this and a lot with time, my mum. Because time just flies by. But you can't concentrate, well, yeah. can you, in a com conversation? Well, you only need to talk. It's I mean, what are you... Yeah, it's multitasking. Rick wouldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> You're still on those buttons, mate. <laughs> One, two, three. But no, it's actually, it's quite a good way of passing the time. Also, you need to make sure that you're not in an area where you're not going to be able to hear or yeah. it's too loud. But I actually quite quite like being on a phone call. I just run. feel like I have to focus when I'm speaking to The person I call the most on my phone would probably be my mum. Yeah. So I'd have to focus <laughs> Uh, I, in that conversation because she's a bit batty. So, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm not, not, there's, not, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just a bit nuts. I'm just imagining yeah. you with like paper and pen taking notes on the call with your mum. Good morning, mother. Um, yeah, do you have to write, one. I, I was about to say you have to write a script, but you won't be able to read it out, would you? Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Um, uh, to, to wrap that up, I suppose, I find myself sometimes on a long run if I'm on my own, just randomly I'll shout at myself in the middle of the run. Really? What do you like, Come on, Andy. <laughs> Just, oh, just to right. snap myself out of whatever little, sometimes if I'm finding it hard up a hill or something. Uh, and then I'll, then I'll realise I've said it outside out loud and have a little look around. Oh, I am so interested to know there aren't there like two types of people in the world. One that have a constant internal monologue where they talk to themselves and other people that don't. And oh. I am so interested to know. I reckon runners have. in general do. Yeah. I, mean, I, I do, love I do, having, yeah, I have a constant conversation with myself and I'll do the same. I'll be like, yeah. you know, fist pumping myself being like come on you can hit this pace fist pumping yourself like fist bump well i was gonna say like punching my hand if i don't get a pace okay. i'll be like <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> and he has come off his chair we can't That's... use that sound effect in the podcast surely <laughs> yes, we can we can we just can't let your mind wander to whatever you thought well, was. that, that, was that was constant internal no, monologue that, that was an innocent little come on I'm going to have to start beeping things again. <laughs> no, we'll be all right. Beep that. Right, I think we've, before oh, no. this descends into complete anarchy, we should say thank you so much again for listening to the Running Channel podcast. It's my highlight of the week, coming here and talking to you guys, even Rick and Sarah. And could you do us a small favour and rate what? and leave us a review? 
Yeah, please do. Get get back at Andy for that horrible statement about his wonderful co-host. Oh, I love you both. Um, <laughs> thanks very much. We'll see you next time. Love bye. you, bye. This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.